Greyhound to trap one. Greyhound to trap one. How do you read me? Over. Hello and thank you for downloading the Trap One podcast. My name is Mark McManus and my co-host this week is Kate Coleman. Hi Kate. Hi Mark, thanks for inviting me back. Great to speak to you. Good to have you back. Uh, how are you enjoying Series 11 so far? Oh, we've really enjoyed it. Myself and the whole family have had a great load of fun watching it. And we, we really like the, the Sunday night slot as well. It works really well for us. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I, I, I've been, been enjoying that as well. Um, and it, it seems to have been really good in the ratings. Um, I think probably because there's there's not much um, competition on a Sunday night, is there? Yeah, it seems to fit in better with um, with the rest of the programming on that night, doesn't it? Yeah. What, what have you been your highlights so far? Any particular favourite episodes? Well, I've, I've enjoyed them all. There hasn't been one that I haven't um, had fun watching. Mm-hmm. But um, I really liked Rosa. I thought that was terrific. I think it's the first Doctor Who episode that really brought a lump to my throat and tears to my eyes in real time while I've been watching it. So that was that was a highlight. Um, and I, I enjoyed the, the Conundrum episode, the first, the other part of the name's gone out of my head, but I enjoyed that one as well. That was rip-roaring kind of fun. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've enjoyed all of them. How about you? What's been your favourite so far? Yeah, I think I think my favourites have been the three historicals. So so this one, yeah. um, Rosa, as you said, and uh, the Demons of the Punjab, I think they've been Three really, really strong episodes. The 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 stories, the acting, the production values, um, and same thing with Rosa. Um, I, I had a tear in my eye at the end. I thought it was uh, I thought it was quite quite powerful. Um, yeah, it really was. I think it's only about the fourth time that's happened watching Doctor Who for me as well. Yeah. Um, I think Father's Day, um, when Tom Baker um, appears at the end of Day of the Doctor, had a bit of a lump oh, in my throat. Um, and in School Reunion, when um, when K9 sacrifices himself, uh, it just yeah. weirdly made me emotional, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a really soft place in my heart for school reunion because um, I love Sarah Jane. And I met Elizabeth Sladen um, one year. She came to a town near where I live to um, switch on the Christmas lights. And cool. they ran a competition on the local radio asking if um, the, what the question was how many how many different actors have played the doctor or something something really that that i would would know and i, I won this competition and the, the prize was to go um, to meet elizabeth sladen um and before she put the lights on and i, I won a toy dalek as well but it was just terrific it was a, a wonderful night so um i've got a real soft spot for her and for that episode it was really wonderful to see ah brilliant that's uh, that's such a good memory isn't it so how, how old would you have been then sorry how old would you have been then Oh no, about forty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was a grown—I was a grown-up. I have to say, but I must admit, I did grab. That was my my children were very young then. Um, I had only had one in a pushchair, I think. Mm. Um, but I so I grabbed a friend's kid and took him in with me. Um, just to kind of you know, as a little bit of a moral support, so that I didn't feel completely like a fish out of water. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, that, that was that was a lovely lovely evening. Brilliant. Yeah, I met her at a convention um, years ago as well, about 1996. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel kind of really lucky to have met her. And, and John Pertwee was at the same one as well, so that was... Uh, That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can't get that back now, can we, those people? No, uh, that's it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, kind of really, uh, really special memories, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so before we talk about the episode, um, 
just uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about your writing. Um, so we we kind of met or well, not met, but got in, in contact with each other. Uh, we both submitted stories and were accepted for the anthology Time Shadows Two. That's right. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately is no longer available um, to buy, but you can download um, a free copy of this from my website. I'll put links in the show notes. Um, and we'd invite you to make a, a small donation to charity if you do that. Um, we've got some brilliant stories in there. I absolutely love your story. It's uh, the 11th, 11th Doctor and Clara, definitely one of the highlights. Yeah, it was. It was. I really enjoyed writing it. It was the first thing I've had published as the 12th Doctor and Clara, actually. Oh, I'm so sorry, um, yeah. Yeah, but um, I've, I've wanted to write a Doctor Who story since I was tiny. Since I was about six, I think I first I, I wrote a Doctor Who story and I sent it to the BBC. And, um, and they eventually sent it back to me with a whole bunch of postcards and saying, you know, it's, we're really pleased that you're interested in, in writing. And kind of since then, I thought, you know, that, that would be so wonderful to write something. But my career took me off in a completely different direction. Um, uh, but then I've been able to be able to come back to writing and then kind of, you know, get something published in a fan anthology. It's been a, a real, real boon for me, a real kind of highlight of my, um, of my life, to be honest. Yeah, it was the first thing I ever had published as well. It was, uh, yeah, really, really nice, really nice experience. Yeah. Good. And, of course, you're um, contributing a story to Clara, The Untold Adventures. Yeah, that's right. So this is a, a fan series that it, it's just fabulous in the scope that the, the creators have um, brought to the project. So they've got, I think, 12 episodes that they're going to um, release on The Untold Adventures um, website. So each episode is going to be a, a fan-written story, but they've got artwork associated with it. They've got um, trailers. They're doing some absolutely terrific stuff. So I was really pleased to be invited to, to join that group of creative people. It's been, been wonderful. So my story is um, features uh, me and Clara on an underwater adventure. It's kind of a base under siege um, story. So I've, I've had great fun writing that. Cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to that series starting. It's going to be in the new year, isn't it? In, in 2019. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think that, that's the plan. Yeah. Dan, I'll put links in the show notes to that as well, uh, and also to the Temporal Logbook too, um, which I think is still available. That you had a story published in. Yeah, I had a, a Ninth Doctor and Rose story published in in, in that one, and and that is available, I think, to to purchase still. So you've had to get that on the link. And that, that was another one. I thought I'd go in a, a different direction because I was much more comfortable writing kind of Clara and the Twelfth Doctor. So I thought I'd kind of stretch myself a bit. And um, I had a bit of a, a foray into thinking about um, AIs in the future and how things might go with them. So that's quite an exciting thing. To also have that as a hard copy on my bookshelf has been, um, been terrific. It's really nice, isn't it? Because I've, I've got a copy of Time Shadows too, and it's... Um... Yeah, something really nice about having a, a copy of a book that you've got something in. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and Doctor Who fans, such a kind of so creative as well. You know, I think it really encourages that, doesn't it, for people to to write or some of the art that you see on on Twitter and things like that is um, is astonishing. Yeah, it's it's really fabulous. You know, some real talented people out there. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the number of people who are fans that then went into kind of TV and and. And in different areas, you know, because they're inspired by Doctor Who, it's, I think it does. Yeah, um, like Rachel Stott, so I sometimes follow her on Tumblr, I think, and she started off with a, you know, as a fan artist and is now working with um, Doctor Who comics and just churning out this amazing artwork. It's terrific. Yeah. You know, 
I followed if, her. If, on... if you're inspired by something, just keep churning it out, and then if, if you know, eventually you might get noticed by somebody. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, I follow her on Twitter as well. She's uh, she's really funny um, and, and like incredibly talented, like you say. I've got the the first issue of the Thirteenth Doctor comic. I think it's the only one out so far. Um, uh-huh. She's done the artwork for it. it. It is stunning. Yeah, really good. Cool. So um, on to the Witchfinders. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy this one? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed this one. I mean, like I said, I've enjoyed them all, but this one really, um, it was really, I felt like it was a really tight episode. It kept you guessing and it kept, you know, the plot, you know, hacked along really well at a good pace. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought I thought that as well. And I think when the uh, when the Doctor and her friends kind of arrive and realise what's going on with the, um, with the, the, uh, the ducking stool, yeah. because of the way this series has played out, it, there is some tension there as to whether the Doctor was going to intervene um, with that ducking because there's been times yeah. where, like when Prem was killed in Demons of the Punjab and she just kind of has to walk away as, as the gunshot kind of rings out in the background. Um, yeah. So it was a real kind of punch the air moment when she did dive into the water and, and swim out to try and save uh, yeah. the, the victim. Do you know, I really, I really had the exact same thought. I was, I was sitting there thinking, is she just going to watch? Because they've been talking about that. You know, we've got to tread lightly. We mustn't interfere. And then I was sitting there, really rooting for her to do something. And I had this kind of memory in my head of the Eleventh Doctor in the Rings of Akatan saying, "No, we never just walk away." And that was literally going through my head. And I was thinking, she's not going to walk away. She's not going to just watch. And then she dived in, and it was just such a dramatic moment I kind of almost cheered really yeah definitely and it feels like maybe a bit of a turning point in in the series or in her interpretation of the doctor that she maybe is going to become a bit more um kind of getting involved like that and kind of interfering for want of a better word yeah no it was great to see that kind of heroic moment you know and actually for you know a woman to do the heroic hands-on energetic thing i think it's a really good thing to see on television but it was also of course tragic because they couldn't save willa's grandmother she was you know brought her out but actually not soon enough to save her so there was that kind of you know the height of the doctor jumping in and trying to save him and then the kind of tragedy of actually not being able to to do it not being able to save her yeah, I was sort of expecting um, maybe the Doctor or Yaz to to try and resuscitate her. You know, like um, you know, normally in TV and stuff, you see them doing the kind of the the, the chest compressions and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but whether that would have been too harrowing for you know, kind of early Sunday evening with kids watching, especially when she didn't survive. Um, yeah, I think it would have di- perhaps diverted the story a bit. And and I always worry about um, shows showing successful CPR because actually. It, you know, to actually bring someone back from being their heart having already stopped fully is actually pretty difficult, and it doesn't happen as easily by by any means uh, as we see on television sometimes. So I was kind of glad that they didn't go down that route, really. Ah, right. Ah, uh, yeah, because yeah, TV and movies kind of give you the impression that if somebody drowns, you just kind of keep going for long enough that they uh, yeah, <laughs> they'll come back. Yeah, and they come. Uh, but um, you know, it's really not as easy as as that if somebody's really gone that far. But but anyway, do you know what else I I, I did like? I really enjoyed um, some of the one-liners in this um, episode. And the, the first one that strikes me is that Graham um, poses the witchfinder general because actually poor old um, the poor old doctor got put in her um, 
replaced by James the First, and that she could could possibly be a general because yeah. you know women can't be generals. And then Graham had to step up. She did brilliantly, and and I, I could have cried when he said, "You are in special measures." Yeah, that's what a wonderful line <laughs> to come back with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. He's um, he's had some great lines throughout the series, hasn't he? But he's uh, he's on good form in this one. I liked it when he talks about it being a, a flat team structure as well, because he doesn't want to say that he's he's yeah. in charge over anybody. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That, that was really funny. Yeah. But I was I was getting more and more worried about um, Mrs. Savage's kind of um, mental state really when she was walking around because you, you know that actually she um, had some fairly dire intentions really didn't we right from the start the way she was talking but then I, I really started to question it when she said that she'd banned, banned horses horses were the um the creatures of the devil and so she had them all shot and at that point I thought you're gonna be a hard lady to turn around actually you're deep into this yeah that I thought that was gonna, maybe going to come to something about the horses but then yeah. um or is it's just kind of like you say it's, it's kind of show the, the level of her paranoia and insanity yeah, that's what I think. There's our view of the world, really, and and the doctor was trying to bring some logic and rationality to it all. And every time it'd be battered back, wouldn't it? And the only way they could understand things was by witchcraft and and devilry. That was their only frame of reference. Yeah, shift from that, would they? At any point. Well, I thought it was interesting actually, because later on in the episode, she does say something like. Um, yeah, she says the ducking store started to silence foolish women who talk too much. So I kind of thought she did have that level of understanding because it's all about kind of deflection, isn't it? Away from what's going on with her, that she realised yeah. that witch trials aren't, you know, kind of a real thing to some extent. She does realise that it is a way of silencing women. Yeah, and, and that, that thread was all the way through it, wasn't it? The, you know, the, it was a, I think it was the first real overt um, naming of the misogyny that's around, had been around and perhaps is still not completely dead today as we would like it to be. When King James was talking about, you know, she was 12, uh, 13, couldn't be um, a general because of her gender. And mm. actually, you know, she came back and said, actually, I didn't have to deal with this when I was a man. I could just get on with things. I didn't have to be defending myself which is in a position that, you know, a lot of women find themselves in, having to convince somebody of their credentials before they can actually get on with the job that they need to do. Um, so, yeah, that was a, it was a real kind of quite a nice nod to it there, I thought. Yeah, and a bit of a moment of realisation for the doctor, I think, as well. Um, yeah, yeah. What it reminded me of, because um, there's a point also where King James says to the doctor, hold your tongue or I will cut it out. Um, and it reminded me because I've, I've recently read Mary Beard's book, Women and Power. Uh-huh. Um, there's a chapter in there called The Public Voice of Women. And it's all about how women have been silenced, you know, over thousands of years. Because um, the chapter starts talking about Homer's Odyssey, um, yeah. which is like 3,000 years ago. And she says, you know, this is near the beginning of, of Western literature. Um, and one of the earliest things in it is, is the first example of a woman being silenced, um, Penelope, by her own son. Um, mm-hmm. she's sort of um, making a speech and he comes along and says it's not your place to speak basically you go up to your room and, and I'll sort this out um, and then it just kind of makes you think that's you know throughout the centuries there's, there's that there's you know in, in the bible the way that women are kind of you know sidelined and um, uh, and treated and then the witch trials and then it kind of made me think even recently you've got stuff on twitter where you know, women um, get kind of an awful time, especially if you're in the public eye. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then just the other week, you had Andrew Neil calling um, Carol Cadwallader, I think you pronounced, uh, the, the, the journalist, um, calling her a madcap woman on Twitter. Yeah. When she's, she's winning awards for, you know, kind of doing vital work in, in uncovering the kind of criminality and, and likely foreign money that went into the Leave campaign during the Brexit referendum. It's, uh, it just feels like all one long, depressing kind of story. Yeah. You know? It does, and it is men in powerful positions trying to minimise the the um, impact of women and the, the good work that women do by this kind of awful language. But I think she did she did say, didn't she, that actually um, calling somebody a mad cat lady is equivalent of calling them a witch. Yeah. Um, but that does link in quite nicely with what we're seeing here and the way you know the silence on women and keeping them under the thumb, really. Mm. Yeah, and that um, for, for like Madame Savage, it's the only way she can kind of exert exert power, really, isn't it? That uh, um, is, yeah. is you know kind of going along with that and, uh, and and doing the same thing. Yeah, well, we did have a really nice example of um, Yaz getting to step up and play the hero in this episode, which I was delighted to see. Her just uh, physically taking the the um, you know blow rain and blows down on the um, vine that came up out of the mud to yeah. um, try and get Willa. That's a really nice um, example of, uh, you know, women stepping up into that hero role, which we would like to see more of, really. Yeah. it's really, <laughs> Up until that point, I thought that this was maybe going to be a pure historical, because um, mm-hmm. it's something that they've talked about, you know, will they ever bring back? And I thought, yeah. oh, this is going to, there's not going to be no aliens in this. This is going to be about the kind of the horror of the witch trials and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff uh, until that kind of mud tentacle appeared and I thought, ah, no, it's going to be aliens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be aliens. They're at the bottom of nearly everything these days. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Um, I, I think this could have been just as good of an episode without that, though. Um, just ju- It could have been just as good of an episode, I think, with, without the aliens, you know, just with everything yeah. that's going on with James I and the uh, the witch trials. James the First was great, wasn't he? But the um, actor who played him, Alan Cumming, yeah. he really nailed that, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, um, I know some people said he's kind of a bit, bit kind of over the top, but I think you need that larger than life kind of performance that you get from him. Um, I think it just fits so well. My daughter was saying, "Oh, he's so flamboyant." Is that the right word for him? And I thought, yeah, it's kind of nice descriptor, wasn't it? Of you know the way he played King James, which is um, really nice. pitches the performance perfectly because he's kind of the one character that you can't really suspect is behind anything or uh, you know because because you know he's, he's the king and he you know he goes on to do other stuff so he's not going to be behind the weird events so he can kind of be a bit more of a, a comic foil and that kind of stuff um i yeah. think alan coming i mainly know him from the good wife the the american tv show um right, no. 
that. Which is really good in that. And and Chris Noth is is in that as well, who was um Robertson in Arachnids in the UK. Okay. He's another main character in it, which makes me think yeah. that maybe Chris Chibnall or, or somebody else kind of high up is, is a bit of a fan of The Good Wife as well, because uh, that's that's two of the main actors that have both been in Series 11. Yeah, it does tend to be people you know, doesn't it? There are connections between people that bring people together to work on projects like that. Yeah. So it could well be. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah. It, um, I think it's one of those uh, stories as well, because I, I didn't know anything about the Pendle Witch Trials until I watched this, but I've, I've kind of made me go and do a bit of background reading because um, it was really interesting. I used to live in Lancashire as well, but I, I'd never knew yeah. any of this. Um, I think Doctor Who's really good at doing that, actually. I think all the, the three historicals have done that, actually. have actually helped people to dip into the history around things a little bit more. I know certainly in my family, um, I kind of thought everybody knows Rosa Parks and... Mm. Um, the children know Rosa Parks, they covered up school, I know Rosa Parks. Actually, it turned out my mum didn't know who Rosa Parks was. So it's, it's really done a, a good job of bringing that into people's awareness. And I, I didn't know everything um, about the, the second historical episode. There were some bits in there that I, history that I didn't know, um, which is really nice to be able to expand your, your understanding of how the world works, really. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. funny because there's a, a lady I work with who's, um, who's a bit older than me, and she didn't know Rosa Parks. I don't know if it's just kind of something that wasn't really covered, um, yeah, when maybe that generation was at school. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely yeah. something that we, that we learnt about. But yeah, the partition I, I knew very little about. Um, it's, um, it, I think um, something I mentioned on the podcast at, at the time is we, we're just not really taught about the, um, like the darker side of British history and the British Empire, are we, at school? No, no, it's, it's skirted over a bit, isn't it? And yeah. so I think we need to shine a light on that, really, and just how bad partition was and how it divided families up and has and, and caused problems that are you know, still very active in the world today. Definitely, yeah. And I, I think that's what Doctor Who can do really well, is bring that pure entertainment, which all the episodes are, they are pure entertainment, but actually they're educating you as well when you go along, but you don't necessarily know you're being educated. It's probably the best way to do it. yeah. Um, yeah, because a lot of the stuff in here as well, it, it, it can't help but make you think about what's going on in the world at the moment. Um, you, obviously, I, even just the term witch hunt. Uh, yeah. You know, Donald Trump is, is constantly saying that he's the subject of a witch hunt, um, which <laughs> isn't entirely accurate because a witch hunt suggests that when somebody's after you, but the, there isn't a witch, whereas uh, the uh, you know the Mueller inquiry and things like that are, um, I think, probably pretty much on the money. Yeah. Um, but the but some of the lines in here about um, when because uh, I, I think probably one of my favourite scenes in this episode is when the doctor's tied up and she's talking to King James and um, she accuses him of, of killing and scapegoating and stirring up hate yeah. and you think you know if that isn't kind of what is going on in the world at the moment you know with with the kind of the rise of um, fortune like kind of far right um, politicians all over the world it's um, yeah, it's it, it yeah. just shines. It is, away. and it's just, just talking about it not being binary. People are not just good or evil, not just heroic or evil. They're much more complicated than that. But you know, we've got a very binary world at the moment, haven't we? Where people are trying to say this is good, this is bad, and and actually we can't find any middle ground, which is where you know obviously where 
where peace lies a lot of the time. Mm. But that conversation was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I liked when they were talking, when she mentioned, um, he said, what, what title are you hiding behind? You're hiding behind Doctor. Actually, yes, you know, we know the Doctor does that, hides behind that title, and we don't really know what's underneath, do we? Not fully, even though we've been with this character since 1963. Um, we haven't fully unpicked what, what it means to be the Doctor, have we, or what's behind the, the um, name. Yeah, it was a very good moment, that, of him in term the, turning the tables a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that uh, was good. Well, I, I always I always love this. This is logic, and um, where she said, if I was in league with Satan, I'd escape. Yeah. That's, actually, that, that's pure logic. I always, I always wondered why people didn't ever realise that, that logical point. You know, see, if this person really was a witch, you know, she couldn't let herself be tied into this chair and ducks, would she? But that logic just would fly over people's heads and never kind of um, was able to be really be realised in a way. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the other thing I like about the scene is it is um, the Doctor really trying to get through to somebody um, mm. in a way that I think this this incarnation didn't really with sort of um, you know Robertson or she did a little bit with with Manish in Demons of the Punjab, but she. She really tries to make the king, you know, kind of see a different point of view. Um, and that felt very doctorish, I think. Yeah, and he can't do it, can he? He can't kind of shift his way of thinking. It's his way of, his only way of understanding the world is through demons and, and, and the devil, isn't it? He's got no other way of kind of thinking. He just won't shift, but he's not until the, until the very end when he has the, um, the evidence before his eyes. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't realise that, again, read, doing a little bit of reading up, that um, James I had, had um, written a book um, called Demonology, uh, which was about witches and uh, promoting uh, that people should denounce and, and prosecute the supporters and practitioners of witchcraft. Um, yeah. I think it was in 1597 he wrote it, so he probably would have written that book by this time, because I think the doctor says they're in the 17th century right. story. Because, of course, the other thing that he was renowned for was the King James II Bible, wasn't it? His reinterpretation. I don't know how much he wrote of it, but he brought a real poetic kind of language to the, the Bible that hadn't really been, been there before. But what I really liked a couple of the, of the lines when he said, he quotes at the Doctor, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And then she turns that back brilliantly and says, um, yeah, Old Testament, there's a twist in the sequel, though, love thy neighbour. Yeah. I'd love to see um, um, Alan Cumming come back as um, as this character if they did um, like a gunpowder plot story or something like that. I think he'd, uh, yeah. it would be great to see him back. That would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think they've kind of, I think they've done that as a book. It's, um, I'm not sure if it was like Gareth Roberts or something like that wrote um, like a first Doctor story called The Plotters, but um, I don't think it's one that I've read. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it would be. Um, it's such a kind of big historical event as well. It's it's funny that the TV show hasn't explored it. I think. Yeah, yeah, we could maybe look forward to that one day then. Yeah, and what what I like about this series is the way it's not just focused on British history. That we've got, um, you know, the partition in India, and mm-hmm. um, you know, a bit of American history in there as well. It would be good to yeah. uh, to see some more of that in the future as well. Certainly, 
is. It's a real multicultural feel to this um, episode. And of course, we've got a much more diverse cast than we've, we've ever had. Yeah. And diverse writers and um, producers and directors, I think, um, in this, on this occasion, haven't we? We've got more women writers than we've ever had, actually, I, I think. You probably plot that a little bit more than I have. Is that the case? I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, and and this this is only the third story, I think, ever in Doctor Who that's both written and directed by a woman, um, written by Joey Wilkinson, directed by Sally Abrahamian. I think that's how yeah, it's pronounced. Yeah, well done. Um, so, yeah, there's Enlightenment from the Fifth Doctor era, and I, I can't remember what the other one is. I saw this on Twitter. I didn't make a note of it. Um Everybody listening probably probably knows what the other story is, and uh, it's probably shouting it. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's but it's still uh, yeah, it's still remarkable. That there's only been three in in the fifty odd years. Yeah, so we look forward to, to more of that, more diverse voices actually in front of the camera and, and behind the camera. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's always good to discover new writers as well that can that can come back and and you know will be I guess associated with this era, I guess. Yeah, yeah that'd be great to see. I, I like um, some of the visual effects in this episode as well. So I think the directors did a really good job. Um, my daughter and I were kind of looking at the, the, some of the camera angles early on in the show with the, um, the, the, the trees and then the, there was quite some angles that made things look really spooky. The trees were a theme, weren't they? And they came at, at the end, turned out to be really important um, yeah. with the conclusion of the story. But later on in the story, there was a lovely shot where, uh, from high above, where there was um, bare trees, um, and it looked really spooky and atmospheric. So I thought that was really nicely done. Yeah, again, I guess this—I um, don't know if, if this was filmed. They, they've got a shot of Pendle Hill, haven't they? So I don't know if this was filmed in Lancashire because they've been filming in in Sheffield quite a bit, or whether, or whether it's just somewhere in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, they, it looks misty and creepy and cold, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it was really nicely done, wasn't it? Yeah, grim up north. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. <laughs> so we're getting to think about the end of the episode now, and I was just, just it was like watching Becca kind of really slip into this, I don't, I don't want to say madness, but she was just slipping into this state where she could kind of gone too far and wasn't able to pull herself back. And she's still insisting on it being witchcraft, even when there's kind of mud running out of her own eye and there's evidence before her of, people possessed by this mud she's still talking about satan and then she's immediately taken it on herself and you know that actually the satan's in me but she really couldn't let go of, of any of that um, yeah and I, I kind of thought when um 13 said you know you've, you've killed other people to save yourself and i thought actually yeah she's, she's done now she's not going to survive this episode is she no no that's uh the um the, the stuff about the sort of trees and witches uh, it did remind me of an M.R. James sort of short ghost story. Um, mm-hmm. there's, uh, I read the, the collection of those last Christmas, and there's one called The Ash Tree, um, which, if memory serves, it's about um, a, a sort of a tree that grows over a witch's grave. Um, and uh, the, the kind of the owners of, the, of this house nearby, who I think persecuted the witch, uh, are kind of haunted for generations, and there's like these kind of monstrous spiders uh, coming out of it, and it's only at the end when they they chop the tree down that they realise what's behind it all. So it, it kind of um, some of the kind of themes and, and imagery sort of thing really uh, reminded me of that. I'll need to to read that again. I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, trees are quite a, a potent force, aren't they, in, in, in nature? And uh, as you were saying that, I was just thinking of the um, the book that we reviewed together, Mark, on your podcast a while ago, The Shining Man, and it was pivotal in that, that the, the creatures that had been trapped, that had been trapped under a tree as well, hadn't it? Yeah. And it was when the tree that was cut down um, that the problem started. Yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. That's true. Yeah, it was a particular type of tree, wasn't it, that could hold the these things at bay, yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes you think of sort of like pagan nature worship and stuff. Which I, I wonder if the the prayer that um, that Willa is saying um, when her grandma has been killed, that kind of I was wondering if that was a sort of pagan thing because it was about um, I can't quite remember how it goes, but it's about like earth and fire and air. Yeah. Water. Uh, yeah, like the four forces of nature, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So I wondered if it was like if that was kind of pagan worship, um, rather than um, you know, kind of Christianity or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were using kind of herbal remedies, weren't they? That were probably all related to nature. So it's quite a, a natural thing for them to be finally in tune with, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and at this time, yeah, it would have been. There's, there's obviously. Virtually no kind of scientific understanding, is there? It's uh, very superstitious. Yeah, but, but also quite skilled in using, you know, herds. And, and actually, I think uh, people around that time were, they'd developed a lot of understanding about what would work um, in terms of herbal remedies and, and looking after people you know, in the absence of modern medicine, of course, which could be very skilled, actually which then sometimes put women in the crosshairs of people like Becca Savage because they couldn't understand what they were doing. In fact, there was some jealousy there that these women were actually achieving things as well. So it's, it's quite a bit of a, a double-edged sword, really. But what I did like at the end was um, the doctor, you know, he asked Willa what she was going to do. She was going to go make a new life, be a healer, be a doctor. I thought that was quite an empowering moment, isn't it? And a good message for the you know, for, for everybody that you can turn your life around and, and carry on and do some good in the world. Yeah, that's it, yeah, and, and been inspired by the Doctor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that was, a, that was a great episode that went down really well in our house, really, really got us all going. Yeah, I think um, it, it, this series kind of got stronger and stronger, I think. Um, the, the, uh, the, the second half has been, has had most of my favourites in, I think. Um, yeah. It's been a really kind of good varied bunch um, I've always enjoyed every every doctor that's on the air I've always thoroughly enjoyed them while they're on the air and you know and this one's been no exception so I, I find hard push to choose a favourite doctor actually because I always enjoy what's current so much um, yeah. but I think I'd say he's going to be a firm favourite in my canon of, uh, of favourite doctors yeah definitely I'm, I'm hoping she stays a good long time and uh, kind of uh, really kind of yeah forges a a good, a good legacy, yeah. a good few series. Yeah, getting a, getting a chief into the role, really. I'd like to see some consistency from the, you know, so we're not having a quick turnaround of production team. I think they've got a great foundation that they've built on here and they could do some really great things. I've yeah. heard a couple of people talking about um, there not being a, a plot, a plot arc all the way across the series this time. Mm. Uh, I, I, I haven't missed it. I've enjoyed each episode individually. 
but there, there is something nice about like things drawing together at the end and then then, then looking back at all the little threads that go through. Like, I don't know if they're going to do that this time. Um, I haven't missed it, but I think that that could add something to another season. Yeah, there's there's an argument that that sort of keeps people watching, isn't it, and 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 looking out for clues. But we've had that virtually every series since it came back, so it is nice to have a change. Yeah, I agree, and I've not missed having any returning um, characters or any returning monsters at all. I've been really fascinated to see the new ones have dreamed up. Yeah, um, and it's just going to make it more exciting when the Thirteenth Doctor does face the Daleks because it you'd have waited for it and waited for it, and then it'll be a it'll be a great moment when they finally come face to face. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think if you if you overuse a, a creature or a monster, it can get a bit tired, can't it? And yeah. you, you really need things to be fresh, don't you? That's what you want. So yeah, maybe next season we'll we'll see that. But again, I, I've not missed them this season at all so far. No, and the second series is always interesting to see, you know, kind of what the actors have, have learnt from the first series and, and and how they kind of want to change it when it comes back, you know, as, I guess kind of, uh, you know, based on what they've learnt and then the reaction and things like that. So it's um, it will be interesting to see see what she does in the second series. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. It's I, been absolutely terrific discussing with this, this with you. You know, I don't get the chance to talk about Doctor Who very often, but when I do, I thoroughly enjoy it. Brilliant, yeah. I uh, that's that's the reason I started a podcast, really, because um, I don't know many people in real life that, that like Doctor Who. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a good excuse to to talk about it every week. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Long live your podcast, then. Thanks. So, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Okay, so I'm um, on Twitter at Kate Cole seventeen, um, and also on Tumblr as Kate uh, Kate Coleman Wright. So if he wants to look me up there and say hello, I'd be delighted. I will put links in the show notes to those as well. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at trap1 underscore. And you can find all the previous episodes of the podcast at trap1.podbean.com, um, including Kate's previous episode. They say we, we reviewed The Shining Man. Next week, I'll be discussing episode nine, It Takes You Away, uh, with Beth Axford from the Time Ladies and Doctor Who Magazine's Time Team. Uh, but keep an eye on the feed for a special bonus podcast this weekend, uh, for an interview with one of the stars of The Witchfinders. Thank you very much for listening. Whoa. Goodbye. <laughs>